Well, good morning, Whitvelt family. I am so glad that you've joined us this morning for this nine o'clock service live streamed online today. And a shout out welcome to our many guests who have joined us today from right here in our city of Ottawa, across the nation of Canada, and even globally around the world. I also want to give a shout out to Pastor Kyle and Natasha. Are you ready for this? A baby was born last night to Pastor Kyle and Natasha, and we celebrate with them, a baby boy. Uh, the boy is not named yet, but the boy is born. Baby boy is fine, mom is fine, and dad is doing fine. Let's celebrate that today. Amen. Well, how many people are ready for God's Word? Are you ready for God's Word? Well, we're in a, in a nine-part sermon series that we're calling Clarify. And we're taking some challenging topics, moving from the place of confusion to the place of clarity. I want to take a few moments to talk to you about what the Bible has to say about revival. A question I've been asked so many times is in these last days, as we're moving towards the soon return of Jesus Christ, is there going to be a great revival or is there going to be a great falling away? Well, the Bible does talk about a great falling away in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It talks about a season of rebellion, of falling away, and people abandoning the truth. The Bible even talks about when Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, in the last days, there will be perilous, troubling times. The Bible also talks about in Matthew chapter 24 that there will be an abandoning of the faith. Yes, there will be a great falling away, and that grieves my heart. But the Bible also says that there will be a great revival. I love what it says in Joel chapter 2, that in the last days, God is going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh, upon the sons and the daughters. And the old man will dream dreams, and young man will see visions. And Isaiah chapter 64 talks about the windows of heaven opening and God coming down and sending revival. I happen to believe that in these last days, yes, there, there will be a falling away, and that grips my heart. And I've been praying that even during this pandemic, in this COVID season, that people would not abandon their faith, but instead they would press into God. But I really believe that God is about to send a mighty revival, a post-pandemic revival. I honestly believe that the best days for God's church are the days ahead in Woodville family. I really believe God is about to lead us into a season of great revival. So let's take some time this morning and talk about revival. In a couple of moments, I'm going to take you to our text. It's Psalm chapter 85. But I want to begin today by giving you seven things about revival. I want to answer the question today, what is revival? And I want to give you these seven things. And I want these seven things to be prayer points in your life and prayer points in our church that we would pray that God would allow it to germinate in our hearts and come to pass. So number one, revival is a restoring back to the fullness of life of that which has become stagnant or dormant. The word revival simply means to restore back or to bring back to life. We're talking today about a spiritual revival. We're talking today about a spiritual awakening. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, that Jesus has come that we might have life and life more abundantly. 
My prayer for you today is that God would restore us back to life. God would spiritually awaken us. God would bring us to life that we wouldn't be stagnant. We wouldn't be dormant. There would not be apathy. But then there's number two. It's a rekindling, a rekindling of spiritual life in believers and churches which have fallen into a sluggish time. Pastor Brad led us in a worship song today about God lighting a fire in us. I love what it says in Isaiah chapter 64 when God opens the heavens and comes down. It teaches us in verse 2 that he will set us ablaze like a twig set on fire. There's an old hymn of the church that's been going through my mind. It's called Revive Us Again. Do you remember that hymn? Do you remember the fourth verse? Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Oh, hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Revive us again. And so the second thing I want to share with you, revival is a rekindling of spiritual life in a believer where God sets us on fire. But then there's number three. True revival is actually a returning. It involves a returning of God's people to a fresh and a vivid emphasis on holiness, on righteousness, on his judgment of sin, on true repentance, on humility, and the overflowing effect of personal conversion in people's life. Whenever there's a revival, whenever there's been a revival, there's a call for holiness and there is repentance. And we've learned in this series that repentance is a change of heart that leads to a change of mind that that brings forth a change of action. And in any revival, there's a call for holiness and repentance and, and brokenness. It was back in 1734, and it was in a small town in Connecticut called Enfield, Connecticut, in the New England states. And there was a man named Jonathan Edwards who was the guest speaker in a church there, and he had shared this same message in his home church a number of weeks ago and in Northampton, Massachusetts, but now he's in Enfield, Connecticut, and it's, it's 1734, and he's preaching this message that's become so famous today, and, and it's a message that talks about sinners in the hands of an angry God. I'm not really sure how a sermon title would go like that nowadays, sinners in the hands of an angry God. There was an anointing of God over Jonathan Edwards as he preached this message. And the spirit of conviction swept that church and people were literally falling on their face before God saying, God, have mercy on me. And they were asking God to cleanse them from their sins and and revival broke out and there was a spiritual awakening. I want to invite you today to say, God, may I return to you, show me any wicked way in my heart and I repent because repentance is always a mark of a true revival. But then there's number four. The hallmark of any revival is the refreshing, sudden awareness of the overwhelming presence of God. Where God fills the house and there's an overwhelming sense of his refreshing presence. I thought of Acts chapter 3, verse 19, where it says, repent and be converted. And then you will experience times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. And every revival has an overwhelming, refreshing presence 
of the Lord, O God. Would you send a refreshing presence? And then there's number five. Such a revival is always a sovereign work of God. You can't manufacture it. You can't make it happen. You can't produce it. It's a sovereign work of God where he is responding to the prayers of his people. And it actually leaves a lasting mark on his work forever. See, I've learned when you study revival that prayer precedes revival. In the place of prayer, it's the birthing ground for the revival working of God. In the move of God in Acts chapter 2, the 120 were in an upper room for 10 days praying and worshiping. And God showed up. So Woodvale in your personal life, and then you and I as a church in our corporate life, may we keep on pressing in in the place of prayer, because prayer always precedes a move of God. But then there's number six, a revival. It's a spiritual renewing where there's a sovereign move of God among a spiritually prepared people. It's a renewing. It's a sovereign work of God. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 teaches us, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and pray and seek his face, God said, then I will heal their land. So prayer prepares us. Prayer prepares us for what God wants to do. But then there's number seven. Revival is a supernatural work of God where he visits his people. He spiritually restores us to life and it's resulting in the salvation of many souls. I love the song that Pastor Brad led us in today for the sake of the world. He walked in my office this week and said to me, I can't shake this song. And why do we need revival for the sake of Ottawa? Why do we need revival for the sake of your neighbors? Why do we need revival for the sake of Canada? Why do we need revival for the sake of the world? Now watch this statement. We don't have revivals to get people saved. You can't plan a revival on your calendar and say on such and such a date, we're going to have a revival. No, people get saved because we have revival. So I want to challenge you to take these seven introductory points and let them be Prayer points in your life because revival is a restoring, a rekindling, a returning, a refreshing, a responding, a renewing, and a resulting of souls. We need a revival. We need a revival. Well, I trust you have your Bible open to Psalm chapter 85. And just for a couple of moments this morning, I want to share with you three revival lessons from Psalm chapter 85. Here's the context. The context is God's people had now just returned from a 70-year period of captivity in Babylon. And now they were coming back to the homeland, back to Judah, back to Israel. And they came back to Israel under the leadership of people like Ezra and Zerubbabel and um, Nehemiah. And they were now physically back in the homeland, but spiritually there was an apathy that had swept into God's people. And their hearts were in desperate need of a spiritual awakening. Apathy had swept God's people. They had left their 70 years of captivity and they're now back in their homeland. But 
apathy was in their heart, and that's the context of this psalm. So I want to leave you today with three lessons, three revival spiritual awakening lessons from Psalm chapter 85. Here they are. Number one, it begins by looking to the past, looking back and remembering, looking back and seeing what God has done, because when we look back, it helps us to have an anchor to see what God wants to do in the present. So number one, it begins by looking to the past. And I want to share with you three things about this. Number one, I want you to see when the Lord showed his favor. Number one, when the Lord showed his favor. Look at verse one. The psalmist said, you, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes to Jacob. I think the King James Version words it this way. You brought back the captivity of Jacob. You brought back the captivity of Jacob. And when the psalmist says Jacob, we know that Jacob, it's referring to Israel. And, and God had brought his people back to their homeland. He had taken them out of captivity. And captivity means a place of confinement, a place of bondage, a place of imprisonment. And God had now shown his favor. And you study the ancient word for favor. And it means to turn your face towards, not your back, but your face towards. It's like God was turning his face to his people and showing them their, his favor. And he had brought them back to their homeland. And so revivals, when you look back, you say, God, you, you showed us your favor. But then there's number two, when the Lord shared his forgiveness. Number one, he showed his favor. Number two, he shared his forgiveness. Look at verse two. You forgave the iniquity of your people. And you covered all their sins, Selah. Let's break that down. You forgave the iniquity. You see, when there's revival, there's repentance, right? And when there's repentance, there's forgiveness. And God said, I, you, the psalmist said, God, you forgave all our iniquity. And you study the word iniquity, it means the, the twistedness. It means the bentness, the crookedness. And, and when you move away from the truth of God, you're, you're, you're moving away from the lineup of God's truth. But, but he says, you forgave all our bentness, our crookedness, our twistedness, and you covered all their sins. Covered doesn't mean to put something over it to pretend it's not there. It actually means to put something over it that would bring healing and bring health and would fill it with the things of God. And the word selah is a... Is, is a musical Hebrew terminology, which means to pause and reflect. And I want to encourage us today as we talk about revival to pause and reflect and give God thanks that he's forgiven us of our sins. Somebody say amen. And he has covered our iniquities. He's healed us from our sins. So number two, when the Lord shares his forgiveness. But then there's number three. When the Lord stopped his fierceness, when the Lord stopped his fierceness, he showed his favor, he shared his forgiveness, and he stopped his fierceness. Look at verse 3. You set aside all your wrath, and you turned from your fierce anger. When God sends revival, it's like we deserve hell, but he gives us heaven. It's like we deserve wrath, but he gives us mercy. 
I wonder if that's what was going to the mind and the heart of Jonathan Edwards when he preached that famous message, sinners in the hands of an angry God. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God exchanged his wrath and gave me mercy. I'm glad that even though I deserve hell, he's made a way for me to go to heaven because revival is when the Lord stops his fierceness. So number one, looking to the past, let's move to number two. Number two, longing for the present. Number two, longing for the present. And I want to share with you three things from verse four down to verse seven about longing for the present and how it ties in with revival. So let's start. Number one, the request, the request. Remember, God's people are now back in their homeland. And they're in need of a spiritual awakening. And they're, they're apathetic in their spiritual journey. They need a rekindling. They need a refreshing. They need, they need the fire of God. So look at the request in verse 4 down to the first part of verse 6. He said, restore us again. You study the ancient word restore in the Hebrew. It means to repair. It means to bring back. Restore us again. God, our Savior, And put away your displeasure toward us. Look at verse 5. Will you be angry with us forever? It's a question. Will you prolong your anger through all generations? God, would would you not give us anger? Would you not show anger anymore to all generations? Look at verse 6. Will you not revive us again? Oh, church, please note what the psalmist is asking for God to do is to do what he had done before. Revive us again. And I'm here to declare to you that God has sent some mighty revivals. In a couple of moments, I'm going to share with you about a revival that happened in 1949. But I'm saying, God, if you've done it before, would you do it again? God, if you poured out your Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, pour out your Holy Spirit in, in this post-pandemic season, God, as we move out of this pandemic, would you pour out your Holy Spirit? Would you revive us again? So number one, the request. Number two, the relationship. I want you to notice the relationship that your people, because revival is for the believer. Revival is when God awakens his people. And when revival happens, we're not moving away from God. We're drawing closer to him. And my concern in this COVID pandemic season is that there are some people who will put God on the shelf and they pushed him away. And instead of running closer to God, they're, they're moving away from God. And in fact, to be honest, as your pastor, I wonder as we step out of post-pandemic, whether there actually be some people who have, who have moved so far away from God that they're not going to return back to the place of worship. And I say, God, let a fire in our hearts again. Then instead of pushing away to God, we would draw closer to you because revival is for your people, Lord. May we not be dormant. May we not be stagnant. May we have a fire of you burning in our hearts. Number one, the request. Number two, the relationship. Number three, the rejoicing. I want you to notice the latter part of verse six into verse seven, that your people may rejoice in you because when there's revival, there's celebration. It moves from repentance and brokenness to holiness to rejoicing. 
He said in verse 7, show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. I want to declare to you that God's love never fails. And when he talks about salvation, he speaks of freedom. Because when revival begins to move in our midst, we experience an overwhelming presence of the love of God. I feel the Lord stirring my heart right now that he wants to wrap his arms around you and let you know that he loves you. He loves you. He loves you unconditionally. His love never fails. And he wants to bring freedom. So the longing for the present involves a request. It involves the relationship. And it involves the rejoicing. But then there's number three. Living on the promises. And I want to close this message before I give you an illustration about living on the promises. And I want to zero in, verse 8, down to verse 13. And there's three things I want to share about living on the promises. Number one, clinging to God's word. Because anytime there's a revival, there's a hunger for the word of God. Who's the focus of revival? Jesus. Anytime there's a revival, it's all about Jesus. And anytime there's a revival, there's a hunger for the word of God. And I want to challenge you, Woodville, cling to God's word. Get hungry for God's word. Look at verse 8. I will listen to what God the Lord says. The Hebrew word for listen doesn't just mean to hear. It means to be obedient to, to be obedient to what God says. Watch the promise here. He promises peace to his people. And the ancient Hebrew word for peace is shalom. I declare to you that God promised shalom to your home, shalom to his church, shalom over your life, his faithful servants. But let them not turn to fully. We got a number one, cling, clinging, clinging. To God's word. Hold on to God's word. When you're walking through a pandemic, don't hold on to the news. Hold on to God's word. When you're walking through a pandemic, don't hold on to fear. Hold on to God's word, clinging to God's word. But then there's number two, committing to God's ways. Number two, committing to God's ways. Look at verse nine. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him. Fear doesn't mean to be afraid of God. Fear means to be in reference to God. You're so in reference to God, you want to be obedient to his word. Thus, you want to walk in a holy, righteous life. The psalmist said, surely his salvation is near those who fear him. That is glory. Glory. Would you say that word glory with me? One, two, three. Glory may dwell in the land. There's a verse in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 14, where the priests were trying to minister in the ancient worship place. And as they're worshiping and the priests are trying to perform their service, the glory of the Lord filled the place. And there was such a thick presence of God, they couldn't even perform their duties. Could you imagine with me us coming back on site and the glory of the Lord filling the house? The pastor Brad couldn't even get to the next worship song. I couldn't even get to the sermon. And the thick presence of God was so thick in the house that God showed up. I say, Lord, send revival, committing to God's ways. But then there's lastly, number three, considering God's wonder. Considering God's wonder. I want to read to you verse 10 down to verse 13. And you're going to see four characteristics of God 
when he pours out revival. Verse 10, love and faithfulness meet together. Love and faithfulness, two great characteristics of God. And when there's revival, God envelopes us with his love. When there's revival, God pours out his faithfulness. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Righteousness speaks of right living before God. And peace, of course, is the shalom of God. There's love and faithfulness, righteousness and peace. Look at verse 11. He builds on two of these characteristics. In verse 11, faithfulness springs forth from the earth and righteousness looks down from heaven. The psalmist is very poetic to describe this love love and faithless righteousness and peace and then in verse 12 the lord will indeed give what is good because whenever there's a revival god only gives what is good and our land will yield its harvest when there's a revival there's a harvest of souls and then in verse 13 righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps oh i wish i had more time this morning but righteousness prepares the way for a revival when there is righteousness in our life and a hunger for jesus when you really love jesus we're going to love what jesus loves and we're going to want to be more like him and when we want to be more like him we will be gripped with conviction oh god send Holy Spirit conviction, show us what's in our hearts that's not right with you and send revival. Well, church, I want to show you something today. This is a tartan on a scarf. And I'm going to put it around me because this tartan comes from the McDermott family, the McDermott's. My mom's got some Scottish roots on her dad's side. And my grandpa McDermott came from Glasgow, Scotland, and he came on a boat to Canada, and uh, he got radically saved. My mom has shared the story many times how at the same moment he was set free from alcoholism and, and he and was set free from his sins and became a follower of Jesus Christ. God did an amazing work. But I studied the roots of the McDermott family, and I discovered that the McDermott clan came from the Hebrides. And if you know Scotland, on the northwest corner of, of Scotland are some islands. And uh, the Hebrides Islands, there's about 40 islands in all uh, on the west northwest coast of Scotland, the Hebrides Islands. And the largest island is called Lewis. And it's divided into four parishes or four sections. And one section is called Barvis. And it was 1949. It was post the Second World War. And there's a lot of discouragement in the world. Some of you would remember those days after the Second World War. Lots of discouragement. And there were two ladies, the Smith sisters, Peggy and Christine. Peggy was 84 years old and she was blind she couldn't see. And her sister Christine was 82 years old and she had arthritis in her body and, and she wasn't well. So one was blind and the, the other had arthritis, but they started to pray for revival. And God began to speak to Peggy specifically. And I'm told that God gave her a vision that he was going to send revival. And God gave Peggy a scripture from Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3. Write it down, Isaiah 44, verse 3. God said, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. And as they were praying in the late hours of the night, 
to the wee hours of the morning, this scripture was resonating in Sister Peggy's heart. She's 84 years old. And she couldn't physically see, but she spiritually saw God sending revival to the Hebrides. For I will pour water on thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. So she contacted her pastor, Pastor McKay, and said, Pastor McKay, I feel God wants to send revival. And I believe we need to go to prayer. So Pastor McKay got the deacons. And two nights every week for a season of time, they gathered in an old barn. And they started to pray 10 o'clock at night, sometimes to four in the morning. And they would get on their face and they would call out to God, Lord, send revival. This is the true story. In the midst of that prayer time, one of the deacons was convicted from a scripture in Psalm chapter 24. And he stood up in the old barn and he read from Psalm 24, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. And he was so gripped. Who may ascend the mountains? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands. And the convicting power of God swept over those deacons and over that pastor. And they were, they were calling out to God for righteousness and holiness. They went back to the church late that night. 300 people. God had drawn them into that church. <laughs> it's a true story, friends. There was a dance going on in the local dance hall and the convicting power of God began to fall that the dance shut down and all the young people came to the church and walked into the church. And there's a young man named Peter, just a young boy who started to pray a prophetic, powerful prayer and revival began to break out in the Hebrides. And, and they invited a, a preacher to come and a preacher to come by the name of Duncan Campbell. And Duncan Campbell came to Barvis on the island of Lewis in the Hebrides. In fact, he rejected their invitation. He said, I can't come, but Holy Spirit said to him, you got to go. And he went. And for a season of time, revival broke out. And 75% of the people who got saved got saved outside the walls of the church. And Duncan Campbell said, watch this, revival is a community saturated with God and for a number of years in the Hebrides all through those islands revival broke out crime went down people were getting saved people were getting baptized in the Holy Ghost people were getting right with God a spirit of righteousness and holiness was prevailing and, and many were getting saved and there wasn't a lot of people who lived on those islands and in fact the island of Lewis today only has 19,000 people on it and Barnabas was just a small community but 700 people packed into that church and revival began to sweep I'll tell you why because two senior ladies got a hold of God and God gave them a vision of revival and my grandpa McDermott's family finds their roots in the Hebrides and I'll tell you church I've got something moving in my spirit right now that God wants to send a revival to Woodville Church and to the city of Ottawa and to the nation of Canada and if he can do it 
it before. How many people know he can do it again? Amen. So I want you to get on your feet right now. Get off your couch. Get off your chair. Get off the floor. Stand to your feet and lift your hands. Pastor Brad is going to lead us in a prayer cry for revival. That God would pour out his spirit. If he did it before, church, how many people know he can do it again? Let's worship together. And open the heavens. Fling wide the gates. Flood every heart with mercy. Pour out your presence and habit our praise as we cry, Holy, Holy. And open the heavens, fling wide the gates, flood every heart with mercy. Pour out your presence and habit our praise. As we cry holy, come on. And open the heavens, fling wide the gates, flood every heart with mercy. Pour out your presence in happy and our praise. As we cry holy, holy. Open the heavens, Lord, fling wide the gates, flood every heart. eyes are closed and whether you're here in Ottawa or somewhere in the Ottawa area or across Canada or around the world my question for you today is if today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity are you ready for heaven was there a time was there a place was there a moment that you personally asked Jesus Christ into your life God is calling to you right now. God is speaking to you right now. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be ready for heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father 
except through me. You can't buy your salvation. You can't work for it. It's by grace and by grace alone. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, I want to lead you in this prayer today. Would you join me as I lead you in this prayer today? Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I've decided today to follow you. Would you be my Lord? Would you be my Savior? Come into my life and forgive me of my sins. Today, I say yes to Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate salvations today. Let's celebrate salvations. I believe there's many who prayed that prayer right now this morning in this 9 a.m. service. And if you prayed that prayer, you made the best decision of your life. Reach out to us. We will reach back to you. Go on our church website and sign up for our virtual follow class. It happens on Wednesday nights. It's going to help ground you in your new faith journey. We want to help grow you in your new faith journey. And take the next step and be baptized in water. We've got a water baptism class you heard about coming up this Wednesday. And sign up for it. It'll happen online. Jesus says, after you've come, invited him into your life, take the next step and be baptized in water. But right now, church, I, I want to pray for you. And I want you, in just a moment, as I pray, just to extend your hands to the heavens in just a moment. And I want to challenge you, Woodvale, this week, to read through those seven points about revival. And pray those points over your life and over your family and over this church. And I want you to reread Psalm chapter 85 and pray that revival prayer. I just pray, God, revive me again. Just like you did in the Hebrides in 1949. They came off World War II and there was, there was, there was just a lowness in the land. But, and just like now, we're, we're starting to move out of a pandemic and there's, there's a lowness in the land. But may there be a hunger and a thirst for revival. And as I stand on this platform, and even now as I look around, I honestly, in the spirit realm, can see this place filled multiple times to capacity. And I can see this altar jam-packed on Sundays as people come in being saved and healed and delivered. You see, church, in the, in the revival in the Hebrides, God's Spirit drew people. And I believe God's Spirit's going to draw people. And I believe we're about to step into a... A mighty revival like we have never experienced before. So church, let's get ready. Let's prepare our hearts. If my people were called by my name, he said, would humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and pray and seek his face, then he will heal our land. So may God sweep us with repentance and brokenness and humility and prayer. And may God send revival. So come on, Woodville, let's lift our hands right now. I want to pray in these final moments that God would send revival right now in your home. Boys and girls, stand with mom and dad. Lift up your hands. Grandmas and grandpas, lift up your hands. Adults, lift up your hands. Father God, I pray over every home right now that you would pour out your Holy Spirit. I pray, God, right in every home right now, there would be a sudden awareness of the mighty presence of God. 
I pray, God, that the spirit of conviction would sweep over us right now in the mighty name of the Lord. God, for people watching the service right now in a hospital room, I pray healing in their bodies in the name of Jesus. I pray, right now, God, that you would move us from apathy to being on fire for you. I pray, God, you would light a fresh fire in our hearts. I pray that you would pour up the water of your Holy Spirit on the dry ground. I pray, mighty God, you would rekindle us, refresh us, renew us. I pray, God, that there will be a resulting of salvations in the city of Ottawa and in the nation of Canada. I pray, mighty God, that you would fill this place way beyond capacity. And I pray, God, that you would do a mighty work of your Holy Spirit. So, God, if you've done it before, you can do it again. So, God, even though in these last days, yes, yes, there might be a falling away, but there will also be a mighty revival. So, Lord, I don't want to be a part of the falling away. I want to be a part of the mighty revival. So we posture ourselves. We prepare ourselves. So, God, would you so graciously open the windows of heaven and send revival in the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, everybody shout it. Amen. 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 Well, Woodville family, I am so glad. I am so glad that you've joined us today. Evelyn and I love you so much. And I really believe that we're about to cruise out of this pandemic and there's better days ahead. I don't believe it's going to be too much longer before these doors can open again and we can come back in this building and worship together. And I really believe that God is about to send a mighty revival. So let's stay in the place of prayer. And let's be open to what God is going to do. And if you haven't already taken time to look at the building expansion and addition stuff that's on our church website, take a close look. There's architectural drawings. There's a document we wrote. Um, there's a visual presentation there. And we had a Q&A this past Wednesday. It was great. And we've got another Q&A tomorrow night, Q&A Town Hall online at 7 o'clock. You're welcome to join us. And we're just going to answer your questions and bring some clarity. So make sure you join us for that. And members, you're going to receive by way of email this week the, uh, the resolutions that will be presented at the special meeting coming up on June the 16th to vote on this. And we need you members to make sure that you, you register for this meeting. We really want you a part of it. And again, thank you for joining us. And again, a shout out to all of our guests for joining us. Go on our church website, check out what we offer. And we're just glad that you can be a part of today. So Evelyn, I love you. God bless you. May you have an amazing day and an amazing week. We can't wait to join with you again next Sunday online at 9 or 11. God bless you.